Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Ah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good night, good day. I have no idea what time it is because this is a podcast. We have an awesome one today. We have uh, Cersei Anastrosa, who is a fashion curator and the head of the fashion school at La Salle University in Singapore, correct? Yes. And she is an expert on Frida Kahlo, correct? Well, yeah, I would like to think so. <laughs> I've been working so long <laughs> with Frida. So today we're going to talk about fashion and art as a confluence and then touch upon Frida Kahlo and figure out what comes next for Dr. Dr. Um, Anastrosa? Not yet. Not yet. Nearly Dr. Anastrosa. Nearly. I'm reading my PhD. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right. So I'm a New Yorker. And the annual big thing of the year in New York is the Met Ball. For the longest time, I looked at the Met Ball. I'm like, this is, is this art? Is, is it art? Is fashion art? How can fashion be art? Because art, from my broad definition, is art exists just because. Fashion has a purpose. It is functional. So how can functional be art when art just exists? Well, I mean, it's um, it's very correct what you're saying and that fashion has a practical purpose and whereas art really doesn't. But it depends. I mean, depends on the context. So historically, fashion has rarely been elevated to the same um, stature of painting or music and sculpture and architecture. However, through fashion exhibitions, this has changed because um, when working with surviving garments, which is, let's say, when you bring fashion to, to, to the museums, you have the opportunity to tell, you know, to talk about history, but from another perspective, using another material culture. Right, because garments do not survive. They do. Oh, oh well, no, no. It's 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 rare for a garment to survive, right? Like, or, or is it? I don't know. No, it is. I mean, our discipline as dress historians or fashion curator curators really focuses on analyzing and telling um, history of fashion or history of the world through the wearers of those garments. So, when you have a surviving garment, for example, from the Victorian era, you will see. You will, you will tell just by analyzing those garments how people used to live in that 
in that period of time. Right, because you have cultural cues. Were women inhibited or were women free, you know? Were sexual mores applied to or, and I'm just thinking specifically for women, but then were men, is it a utilitarian work clothes? Is this, is this the clothing of an aristocrat who never had to walk through the mud or something along those lines? So you've got all the cultural context, contextual clues embedded in it. Exactly, because, to, because garments are, are very powerful tools for social cultural interpretation. So basically, um, it's another medium. So while you have painting and you have, you know, architecture to 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 tell us the story of, of history of art through different mediums. Oh, well, architecture is function too. And yeah. we consider that an artistic discipline. So why shouldn't fashion be in there too? Yeah, exactly. But, okay. But yeah. Why didn't I make that logical <laughs> leap? Because I'm like, I love architecture. And then I'm yes. like, I love art. And I'm like, fashion? Eh. But now, but in, now you're looking for well, another. Well, now, now we've got all the cues, you know. Now, okay. Um, so, so I- I elaborate more on. Uh, we've got, we've got art. We've got uh, fashion as uh, a context. But how? What about the artistic merits of something that's functional? Well, I mean, again, if if you see if you see recently, you have seen a lot of fashion exhibitions um, coming to the museum space. Um, I mean, since I was a little girl, I was always very interested in, in, in museums, and I grew up like um, going to New York and going to the MoMA and learning about all this, 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 this history and to the Met or the museums in Mexico we have. I think the museum space is a center um, of education in a way, is to, is to share knowledge. And, and in that respect, I think when you put fashion in that context, I think it becomes really interesting. One, because, for example, we, we've gone from in 2000, in the year 2000, when the Guggenheim show, the Armani exhibition. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember that. That was a scandal. Everyone was like, oh, my God. I, I remember that, too. Front page times, like, should this be here? Here yeah. or not. Because it, is it just a commercial for... A company. Exactly. Or it's like, yeah, like pr- promoting the brand in the museum context. And then if you go all the way to Alexander McQueen in 2011 at the Met, then everyone was praising the exhibition. And I think I was sort of one of those naysayers who I've, I've evolved my opinion a little bit more. Um, not, to the, not to the extent that I'm clamoring to go to see. Like right now, the Met has... I don't know if it'll close, but the art of the Catholic right yeah. now. Um, and I'm like, eh, I don't really need to go to this because, but I still, I've, I'm starting to respect it. And I, I just want my, I want my opinion to change, you know? Yeah, because I, I think, I think, I mean, as I was telling you, if, if we can document the his, history of art through painting and architecture, why can we um, document the history of fashion through garments? I mean, at the end of the day, for example, I mean, in the past, artists were more concerned um, responding to their art and having these intellectual conversations on, you know, whether it was the impress, uh, Impressionists or, or, you know, like all the, the, the Surrealist movement, which were, they were all crossing. But you could see people within, um, within the, the, the intellectual circles, like Elsa Scaparelli, for example, yep, yep. Uh, talking to Dali, and then you saw all those different um, collaborations much later with with Yves Saint Laurent and, and Piet Mondrian, you know, because they were all part of of 
of of the same uh, circle of intellectuals. Right. But, but the but the designers were focusing more on understanding that social um, social aspect of what was going on in society, and they were more interested in looking at people and how to dress people. Well, in the yeah, course of that time. Yeah, I mean... And I, that's another way to document history because who writes history? Humans. Right. And we all dress. Yeah, okay, so... Okay, that, that makes me think of something. Uh, in There's a 1967 version of... Uh, of H.G. Um, uh, Wells' The Time Machine. And to illustrate the passage of time, he's sitting in the time machine on a London street. And to illustrate the passage of time, he's watching time flash forward as a shop window changes. And the mannequins are wearing Victorian, then Gilded Age, then flappers, then Depression era, then 40s, then 50s, then 60s clothing. And that, that... that was the sole depiction of the passage of time. Nothing else. It wasn't automobiles changing or a horse turning into a car turning into uh, a hovercraft. It was look at the dresses, and it was it was it was I believe it was women's clothes too. And it was look at the dresses. So immediately we're culturally grounded because we go that's not of my era. But I see it immediately. I go that's from 1890. That's from 1920. That's from 1940. Okay. I can. Wow! It re- okay, yeah. Yes. Now already, I'm. Yeah, you you are you are. I, I'm a convert. I'm a are convert. You, are you? Am I? I- interview over. <laughs> I mean, am I? Go- but what you just said is really interesting because in order for fashion um, to exist, change needs to be present. Yes. So that's what you correctly are saying. You know, the passage of time is very important because you have the seasons that right. change, and then the product responds and fashion responds to the change of those seasons as well. Yeah, so, because you have that change, constant change is like the ever turning wheel of, and you know, of fashion and product. That is an interesting word to use because ultimately it is a product, and that goes back to: is a painting a product or or not? Well, that I mean, it it becomes a product if we're talking more about garments and accessories. Right, but it's important to to point out that fashion. If we establish that in order for fashion to be present or exist, change, change needs to be there, what happens? Is fashion pertinent only to clothing? No, because you had, for example, um, change in architecture from, you know, Gothic, we changed to something else. We don't, we're not building. In yeah, the, Gothic in the, in to the Baroque Gothic to Rococo, and, yeah. Et cetera. So, if that change was happening in architecture and if that change was happening in painting, that means fashion was pre- present. Present at that, time. at that time. It's just not as well documented as those. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and then it becomes more um, the connotation towards um, um, making, I mean, if you go to the etymology of the word and, and all that, I mean, you start, um, it, you start seeing that the, 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 the word makes reference to Facere to making to and then it becomes part of of style and 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 dress really later on in the 1600s. I think, right, yeah. right. Because okay, that's uh, that's interesting. Because when I think of these historical fashion exhibits I've seen, there's usually a finite beginning time, and it's usually like I picture. Uh, um, 
a French a French aristocrat's surviving outfit, you know, and the 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 long wigs and the frilly things. But I don't know how anyone dressed before that. Yeah, I mean, and then history of fashion will docu- would document that, right? And and you know, like um, big museums like the Victorian Albert Museum or the or the Met, they started their dress uh, collections from you know for a long time. I mean, in the Victorian era, since Queen Victoria was because because of the the expansion of territories, they were bringing objects from all around the world, and objects again are 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 very powerful to give you information of different um, civilizations or different cultures and in that respect dress was one of the material cultures that they 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 brought from around the world right so to learn how people uh, how people live live so exactly. it, it's 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 a holistic matrix yeah. that the architecture the art the music and like I'm a musician or well I was trained as a musician and you know one of the things you don't know is what music sounded like before 1100 AD. It wasn't written down, so no one knows, or maybe like 700 AD or something along those lines. So music is incredibly ephemeral because 5,000 years of, uh, of, of written word and f- 8,000 years of painted where we could see like, you know, the Roman mosaics and we've got how the Romans dressed and we know how the Minoans dressed and we know from vases, but music just, it, it's, it's, it's literally unknowable because no one figured out a notation system. So it's actually fashion is more important in that sense because we can look at a Greek vase and be like, oh, well, this is how they dress. The climate makes sense. And this is maybe some of their values because of what oh, they're yeah. wearing. Exactly. And, um, and yeah, and, and it's interesting because as, as, as fashion curators, we also, um, we need, you need to use that 360 um, kind of 360 degree lens. Yeah. Because you need the, the eye of the historian, of the art historian, of the anthropologist, of the archaeologist, and you know, in that case, for example, if you're talking about, it's um, truly multidisciplinary. It's, you know, yeah, you it's, are it's, you're covering all the bases. Yeah, and usually, I mean, in in my own practice, I work with these experts because uh, one thing is is it's it's talking about these surviving garments or uh, putting up an exhibition about Frida Kahlo or let's say Victorian era or Mary Quant or or. Um, you know, even, you know, the life of Mozart, if you want, mm-hmm. through... Um, oh, through his the costumes used and, in his opera and ballets. Exactly. Yeah. For example, and in the music. I would need an expert, for example, in within the team, we would need an expert like you, like someone who is expert in... In the music. In the so you're going to need a sociologist or a historian to be yeah. like, no, this is why they wore this, because, you know... The cravat was inspired by Croatian mercenaries who helped the French king out, so he wore it in honor of them. And now you go, oh, well, that's actually a military garment. And then to protect the neck, and now you go, oh, that's where the necktie came from. Yeah. And if you wanted to say from, for example, from Mozart till today, then you will look at contemporary designers or collections that have been inspired by this type of, of, of dressing or, 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 you know, even the, the, the weeks or. That's, yeah, because fashion, fashion 
always goes, turns back. It goes backwards and forwards. Yeah. It yeah. always turns back. It gets inspira- inspiration from the past. Right. Till today and to the future. So, right. So yeah. The, it the is. Time- it, it operates in a 360 lens as well because, yeah. you know, eras, uh, eras of style come back and return and then fade away. And then, and then it's, uh, you know, something that 20 years old looks totally out of vogue. But 10 years from now, when it makes a resurgence, it's back in again, you know? Yeah. And you see, that's why the, the, the aspect of time is so, in, it's, it's so interesting and, and, what you know the what you were describing about the time machine because it's exactly that then it it revolves like it's like a clock you yeah. know and then it goes back it comes back it goes forward uh, that's uh, okay yeah you're 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 doing you're really grounding this for me in looking in fashion in a much larger lens than i believe it is looked in by the general public exactly because i think it's a it's a um I think fashion deserves, you know, the status. It, it it deserves because it's, you know, even you know, like as as I was telling you, like, um, it rarely has been elevated to the same status of painting. But I think, um, contemporary culture and pop culture, um, is um is just pushing towards that because another aspect of fashion exhibitions or or contextualizing fashion through through um, through through a more curatorial lens or museum lens, is because fashion is cool. Design is always cool. Yeah. It's young. Yeah. And it draws a lot, it builds a new audiences. Which is which was what my next question is going to be. What is the value of these blockbuster fashion exhibits at all the world's major museums. You famously curated one at the Victoria and Albert Museum on Frida Kahlo. Um, and it, is is the fashion exhibition an integral part of a museum's uh, arsenal to move forward? I think museums are now considering um, that aspect of, of of fashion and design in general. I mean, it was really interesting to see how MoMA um, devoted. I mean, they hire. Um, a whole team for to take care of their design collection. For right. Example. Well, yes, yeah, the MoMA famous design collection where there are uh, telephones and video game systems and egg beaters, you know, but yeah. never which are which are again practical products that yeah. have uses and MoMA has found beauty in them, but MoMA doesn't seem to have a focus on fashion or do they now? No, they they haven't done really a big. I mean, they recently did this this exhibition of um, it's um, it's fashion modern, mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting to see that's the first time ever they. It, this comes from a previous exhibition they did in in the past, if I'm not mistaken, I think in the forties. Right. And then they kind of did um, um, revive or revisit the the idea. Yeah. Uh, Throw you know they threw out the question. Throw it out there again. Okay, so um, so for example, it's interesting to see how you know the Maritime Museum in London is suddenly doing something around the idea of uniforms. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Or the importance of, of uniforms. Or you see, um, I mean, the design museum or again, you know, the, the, the Guggenheim as a pioneer mm-hmm. where they have always host... Um, art exhibitions, and then it was it was quite bold to to do that that Armani show, and I I'm I'm very happy they did it, and it was a collaboration with Robert Wilson. Who is Robert Wilson? Robert Wilson is is one of the the um, most important um, stage designers and 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 light designers oh, and okay. scene directors okay. in, the, in, okay. in the U.S. So he's a huge name, right? So they they commissioned him to to do the show. Yes, I did not go to it, but I remember seeing photos of it. It was super dramatic. Yeah, very, yeah. very dramatic. And I think that's that's um, and and the trend um, from 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 the Armani show till today. I mean, it has has grown in in museums that are not even fashion museums, right? So I think yeah, it's it's. I think museums are are um, aware of that. They are all uh, trying to draw new audiences, and and they have they have realized that. Young people are interested in in this medium, and they want to know more about it. Yeah. And, and and it's nice because then museum the museum space will give them the opportunity to learn more from a contextual perspective rather than just like. And it's accessible. We all yeah. wear clothing. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't want to wear that. Oh, could you imagine wearing that? You know, you you automatically put yourself in that mannequin's place where you're like, could you imagine if I had to wear a bustle every day? Or wow, wouldn't that be great to wear those those frilly vests or something like that? So, because you can immediately imagine it, but you can't imagine owning a Mondrian. <laughs> exactly. Because you can't own a Mondrian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you can own a shirt that was a throwback shirt inspired by something Louis XIV wore, and that can become part of your personal style, but there's no way you're going to be able to buy a Pollock. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is, which is, which is a bit sad. <laughs> what, that we can't buy a Pollock? Exactly. I mean, I would love to buy a Pollock, yeah. <laughs> Anyone got a Pollock for cheap? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, I think the phenomena is, is, is interesting, and, and, and this is what is really, really pushing museums and, into, and for fashion automatically to, to have to acquire that status of more art. That's what I was saying from the beginning. Right. It depends on context. Now, when a museum says... Um, you know, perhaps it's one of the outlier museums that typically wouldn't foray into this uh, realm. And when a museum says, I want to do that, they go and find a curator like yourself and say, let's build this. Or how does, how does the curatorial process work? Who's, who initiates? Well, I mean, it depends if they have in-house curators and... Um, 
again, for me, would be always to 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 build a team of experts. Right. So if you are a, a curator of you know like more specializing painting, your lens will be immediately more art history. But because everything is about context, then probably you will invite someone who will you you might be still the lead curator because you have your 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 history of art or your painting background as a material right. culture in that in that respect and then you you engage someone more on the on the fashion and then you have the discussions right fashion is a very collaborative discipline okay i mean the, I, I mean even the creation of fashion is collaborative yes yes it's collaborative i mean everyone um all those students aspiring to have a fashion career or, or anyone interested in fashion, the idea of the fashion designer as a sole person, it's very passe, it's, it's, it's dated. You have to work with different teams right. in order to create your... Um, you have to work with image makers, you have to work with uh, a team of, of, of makers, um, a team of... You, you can be as a designer, someone who has the vision and, and you act, the role has changed um, to something more as an artistic director. Right. You have to portray a vision. Which, in the art world, has immense precedence. You know, you, a modern, you know, modern critics, uh, you know, uh, look down upon like Jeff Koons because he doesn't produce his art himself. It, his, the artist's hand do not create it. But Warhol did the same. And by the way, yeah. so did Da Vinci, Raphael, and Michelangelo. You know, they yeah. had teams of sub-artists under them. Yeah. So in that respect, the, the fashion as a product, a manufactured product, is still uh, yeah. legitimate. Yeah, it yeah. is. Because it, is, it, it involves a lot of people and a lot of, of, of creatives. And, uh, and that type of collaboration works also in, in, in our discipline as curators. Um, we, I mean, for example, for for the for the Frida Kahlo exhibition, we had a whole team of like um, um, dress conservators. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. So you yeah. also have materials experts exactly, too, because, because you're dealing with this f- potentially fragile material. You, yeah, it's not only in terms of the conver- uh, uh, conservation, but you need also someone who is an expert in Mexican textiles. Mm-hmm. Then someone who is an expert on on the Frida Kahlo painting side of things for the art to inform the art. I, right, right. I, I'm just thinking of the ramifications. Like, uh, this is made with the fiber of this sort of plant, so don't get it in UV light. It will disintegrate. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that might not be something that you might necessarily know. No, exactly. And 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 that's why, like, for conservation purposes, what what. What can always damage um, a garment? Um, the worst that can happen to a garment is light exposure to mm-hmm. light because mm-hmm. light it's irre- I- um, irreversible. Yeah, you can't come back from light damage. Yeah, so something that is faded is faded. Full stop. Exactly. Yeah. So that's when, in terms of conservation, you need to you need to be careful, and and also in terms of humidity, the humidity can be a little bit more controlled, but light never. No. So 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 you see, then then you you need 
all these team. And now you got person upon person upon person because you've got the historian here, the materials expert here, the anthropologist here, the archaeologist who has found it. You know, uh, that's really remarkable. So uh, fashion, fashion, uh, fashion exhibits employ a lot of people. (laughs) They do, right? They do. They do. They really employ a lot of people and, and let aside the, the... And then they draw a lot of people because, like we said earlier, I get fashion because I wear clothes. Yeah, you, know? you have to wear clothes. Yeah. I mean, to cover or, you know, like to, to, to be protected. To right. To protect your, 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 our bodies, yeah. you know. And, 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 and then, yeah, that documents history and whatever is happening today. They wear, for example, all the idea of fast fashion we have today or and now rethinking on sustainability processes and it's it's current it's now because it's our society is right pace and then also the 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 way we're behaving it's also a reflection of our society the, uh, you know it's uh, okay i i am i am now i'm a i'm a, I'm a convert yay <laughs> <laughs> you you won me over so uh for the next Met Ball, I expect my invitation in the mail. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I will still wear my thrift shop blazer and my ratty Converse sneakers. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that will be fabulous. Um, so let's talk about your uh, Victorian Albert Frida Kahlo uh, exhibition. There was, a, there was an animated film, I believe, this spring, uh, Coco, a Pixar movie. And Frida Kahlo was a prominent character, uh, char- not caricature, character in the movie. Did you see Coco? I did watch it and I absolutely loved it. Oh my God. It was at the end of Coco was one of the, I'm not crying, you're crying moments. Actually, I was watching it on a plane the last time I came out to Singapore and I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying. I'm not crying, you're crying. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's a Pixar movie. They're all pretty lovely. But uh, tell me your thoughts on that Frida Kahlo little vignette in the middle. She did the big spectacular where she had all the people in her Frida Kahlo-esque costumes climbing on one another. And she was like, I am the artist. Let us do this. Exactly. Well, that's, that's really how she was. I think... Um, what was she like? Um, I think she was someone who was definitely very creative, passionate, um, contradictory. Um, she was um, a woman who loved living at the same time she was dying, you know? Frida Kahlo... um, Was she sick? Yeah. I mean, actually the... the I know know her art, and I know it's of its importance, and I've seen many a piece, but actually I don't know much about her biographically. Yeah. I mean, the the exhibition takes a lens of uh, Frida's construction of identity through disability and ethnicity, and um, and it's in in general how how she built her 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 identity through art and dress. The one we did at the Victorian Albert um, Museum. I think um, the powerful style of Kahlo in particular is as integral to her myth as her paintings. And um, so her personal style as is as far reaching as yeah. because. Her famous paintings, her immensely prolific self-portraits, yes. she is always wearing very traditional Mexican, Mexican garments, dresses. you know? Yeah. And I'll explain to you. I mean, Frida Kahlo, it's, it's not only the, the, 
the most important Mexican female artists in, in the 20th century. Um, but also someone who, I mean, during her lifetime wasn't recognized as prominently as an artist. She was not. I she did not know not. that. Well, because she was married to Diego, to Diego Rivera, Rivera. And yeah. he was immensely famous in immensely. his own time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for you to imagine... I mean, worldwide. There's murals of his all across the globe, yeah. And across the U.S., I mean, um, the the for you to have an idea how big he was, I mean, the the second... MoMA retrospective of an artist, of a solo artist, was Diego Rivera's. In his own life? In his own life in right. 1933. Oh, right. MoMA was founded, like, right then, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So the first one was Matisse, and yep. then Diego Rivera. And the end of Matisse's life as well. Yeah. Matisse was still alive at that point, too. Yeah. That, okay, that is immense. So immense. Mo, Mo, MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, uh, which Did was... The second the, goes, let's do Matisse... And let's do the immensely famous in his own life. Yes. I, I had no idea that that is, yes, that's how huge he was. Yeah. And so, how did she live in that shadow? Well, I mean, this is this is how the whole exhibition the the unveils kind of that construction of identity. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about her biographical, um, you know, like her story. Is I mean she contracted polio at the age of six, which left her with um, with a right leg shorter um, and thinner than than mm-hmm. the other, and this is where it, she describes how she started um, building, um, establishing um, a relationship with dress from a very early age by wearing long skirts, and by to conceal the disability. Yeah, and to and she started wearing three to four socks to level her leg. Um, and she was doing that when she was, she was a little girl. So right. she was very, very conscious on how the power, how, how dress and garments... Dress is her. integral to her, to her her identity protection yes. and what, how she projects outside. Yes. Later on, she has um, an almost fatal accident at the age of 18 when she's coming back from school. She is traveling in, 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 in a bus that has a, um, a crash with a tramway. And this metal bar pierced her, pelvic, her pelvis. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, and crossed her, her body. And she almost died. It's, it's wow. Literally a miracle. She, it just missed the major organs. Yes. Wow. And this accident left her with the impossibility of conceiving children ever. So in, there is another, as a woman, there is another huge identity signifier exactly i i i have i i have a disability i am covering it through dress and now you know my identity as a woman is in question because of the inability to conceive i'm assuming in mexico in the early 20th century that is integral to a female's uh identity correct exactly and then that's how you know this is the beginning of the career of an amazing artist, but it's also the beginning of the, ter- the deterioration of her body. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, from that accident, she spent almost a year in bed and her mom built this um, mirror on the canopy of, of her bed where she could see herself, where she could see herself um, reflected right. on, on, on her bed so she could paint. So she started painting then. She asked her mom, like, okay, I need, 
I need to look at myself. Hence the proliferation of self-portraits. Exactly. There was an entire year of the only thing, the only visual stimuli was herself. Yes. So she had herself memorized front to bottom, top to back, right? Yes. Yes. So then through this um, um, mirror, she could look at herself and start and and that's why we have so much self portrait so many so we have so many self portraits of, right. of the artist it was her sole subject yes absolutely wow and um later on by the time she chooses this this tewana dress which is the 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 tewana dress comes from um from the southeast part of mexico mm-hmm. from the tehuantepec isthmus and it comes from a matriarchal society. So the so the Frida Kahlo dresses that we know, if you go to this yeah. uh, area of Mexico, the Tehuantepec Isthmus, all women are dressed like that. Right. But it symbolizes, it's a matriarchal society where women administrate the society. And oh, it symbolizes- God, that's got to be so much better than our society. <laughs> Come on, please. Can we just, all right, let's not. No, no, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it's way better than the one run by white men. <laughs> exactly. And then you will see why this is so relevant. Okay, please. Cause, uh... so, so by the time Frida adopts this, this attire is is the time is the post revolutionary time in Mexico. So the revolution is from um, nineteen oh ten to nineteen twenty, mm-hmm. and we had a we had a, a minister of culture called Jose Vas- Vasconcelos who was promoting the ideals of 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 Mexicanness and what Mexican values and heritage meant. Mm-hmm. He thought that the only way forward towards a, you know like for Mexico to un- advance and, and come out of the revolution was through education and culture. So he started promo- promoting these Mexican values and commissioned Diego Rivera and, and mm-hmm. Jose Clemente Orozco and Siqueiros to, to paint these massive murals promoting this, these values. And of course, Frida was also aligned to that um, ideal. And um, by the time she uh, adopts this dress, she adopts a dress that makes her look very Mexican. Mm-hmm. Um, this is around 1930s. Is she is from Mexico City, though, right? Yeah, yeah, she's from Mexico City. Was she of a wealthy family, middle class, poverty? Um, I would say, yeah, probably mi- middle class. Her, mm-hmm. her, her father was, was a photographer, and, and he was um, married to a Mexican woman from Oaxaca, and they had... Four daughters, right? And um, so basically, Frida her her first kind of encounter with self portraiture, we we could say it is through her father because mm-hmm. he was a um, self portrait um, a, a photographer, mm-hmm. and he did a lot of self portraits himself uh, uh, via photograph. Via photograph, selfie. It's selfie, Mr. Calo, Senior Calo, selfie. Exactly, <laughs> he was the king of selfies. Someone was saying that that, Calo, that Frida Kahlo was the queen of selfie. No, it was really. No, it was. It, I, I, learned, Calo. I yeah. learned it from watching you, Dad. Yeah, and and she used to help him. They, um, Calo, um, Frida Kahlo was the closest, uh, his closest um, daughter. daughter yeah. So he he she would help him develop the you know the, the photographs so they would work together and, and and I imagine she she saw how he was taking all these different self-portraits and portraits of the family that are shown in the exhibition and and, and all of that and and, and she captured that she she got a, a, a little bit of right of, of that 
So going back the, uh, to the to the story of the of the ethnic adopting case. adopting the you know you you get that often in many people will do it you know uh, Bob Dylan adopting the working man's troubadour you know sort of uh, ethos and uh, so some of it sometimes it's smacks of like a little bit appropriation like in, in for example in the case of bob dylan it definitely <laughs> does i'm like you are um, you're a middle class kid from hibbing minnesota your dad owned an electronics store i i think you dressing like a, a train conductor is a little off but frida Kahlo's assumed ethnic mexican identity did not seem inauthentic at all no it didn't because he, she wanted to Im- imagine if it's if she adopts this dress around the 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 30s i mean she she got married to diego rivera in 1929 then um then they got divorced in 1939 and then they got remarried, remarried. remarried in 1940 <laughs> but anyway so so around the 30s she is adopting this this ethnic uh, kind of persona and this ethnic dress i mean she could have chosen chosen any dress from in Mexico, any region from any of Mexico, region of we yeah. have so many around, but she she um, chose a dress that was symbol symbolizes a powerful woman mm-hmm. that would make her feel like a like a like a queen, look like a queen, and she was looking for for her self identity and self expression in the way of finding a way uh, a voice as a female artist in a very male dominated dominated environment yes. in the in, in in that era in yes. that in that in that time i mean if you look at 30s fashion or you know even then 40s with it was influenced by europe and hollywood mm-hmm. nobody was wearing ethnic dress no no it was it was the double-breasted blazers and pencil skirts exactly. you know exactly so so when when she went to the us to for uh, they were in, I told you they got married in 1929 and then 1930 to 1933, they they lived in the U.S. because mm-hmm. of Diego Rivera's uh, commissions. They lived in San Francisco, New York, Detroit, and then New York. They they went back to New York. Um, people will ask her, where, where's the circus? And then she will laugh like, she, she, would, she would just smile. And, yeah. And... and um, so and this this dress the construction of the dress uh, is is the construction is has three um, parts right um, headpiece yep um, short blouse called we peel and the long skirt remember I mentioned yes. the long skirt yes yes little. yes so that means that she will edit herself the construction of this dress again is it's very um, the purpose is, is very well well thought because if you see the construction of the dress, it concentrates the adornment from the torso up. Mm-hmm. So she, the viewer, she will always concentrate because you have all these ribbons and yep. all these big hair and yep. big ribbons and flowers. And, and then and, everything around you, the animals and the flowers. and Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you saw her in... Um, you know, standing there, you will always look at her from the torso up, distracting mm-hmm. you from her wounded legs and her broken Ah, uh, again, reinforcing See? the identity. Yes, oh. and then through her art, however, I mean, through her art, she will then concentrate always in her face. The life is a stage for her. Yes. It's and all a stage. It's all. It has that element of spectacle. There's no, there's no off switch for her because of her tragic youth... She yeah. doesn't have an opportunity to have an off switch because she always has to present the best possible face. Exactly. And this is why she's so relevant today or why, you know, when, again, curating exhibitions, 
you always have to ask yourself, why is it relevant to talk about this topic today? And I think uh, why she's so relevant today is because she um, she is she was ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. The way she decided to dress herself and portray her paintings is the way she wanted us to remember her. And the style is so current today. Yeah, it 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 prevails. It it it's still uh, current because it was me- very modern. Um, for her time. Right. So and then it makes it contemporary uh, today. Yes, and mission accomplished because you say Frida Kahlo and immediately all of the imagery comes into your head. You get the vibrant colors, you get the Mexican heritage, you get the sort of a scant look, you know, sort yeah, of a like rot. Yep, little, little bit Mona Lisa ing herself sometimes. Is she smiling? Is yeah. she not? And yeah. you, you, you like. Uh, mission accomplished. She's an icon of the. She's the icon of the world. Immediately uh, uh, recognizable. So her staging of herself completely worked because I I was not aware, and I'm assuming most people were not aware her tragic life. Yeah. So she painted her own image, both literally and figuratively, yeah, so, and it worked. So her self fashioning is really through 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 clothes and and, and art yeah. together, and um and. And again, as I was saying, I think I think what she she didn't let her disabilities define her. She mm-hmm. defined who she was in her own terms, mm-hmm. and I think that's also very inspiring. And it's something we want to I want to to promote within the the show that it's inspiring for young girls, yes, young women, especially in you know when you're inundated by Western you know body image issues and stuff like that. Here was someone. Yeah, I mean, I can Im- only imagine it as a young girl being like, "Look what she did, and look what she overcame, and she's beautiful." You exactly. know, what and she created was beautiful. Yes, and 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 she overcomes that um, illness through her art, through her uh, clothing, and and by exposing and concealing um, her disability because she would expose it through art, but she will conceal it in in through her persona. Mm-hmm. She will always hide it. Through all these underneath these beautiful um, Tewana dresses and these ethnic dresses, but through her art, she uncovered it mm-hmm. like very yeah. openly. Yeah, that's this is this is absolutely fascinating. Um, what is uh, what is next, Cersei? What are you working on next? What actually? Let's do two things. What would your dream fashion? curatorial assignment be? I always wanted to... <laughs> well, I mean, one one of my dreams was really to do this this exhibition at such a prominent museum like the mm-hmm. v because I wanted to reach... Um, the maximum audience. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to portray this message and put a Mexican, a Mexican um, artist, a female artist who was um, dark-skinned, who was disabled, who crosses so many messages and the intersection um, is so relevant today in, in, in these eras you're, you're saying. Yes, of. absolutely. Uh, so for me, the way she her iconic image communicates strength and speaks to so many different groups, whether you are um, uh, gay, lesbian, transgen- transgender, it doesn't matter all these labels because she encompasses disabled, 
all this, we're full of all these uh, labels and, and definitions, and, and she had it all. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't care. Yeah. And, and she made out of herself who we know today as Frida Kahlo. So that was one of my, my, my dreams. My, my dream project now would be um, do something more on, uh, continue with the idea of fashion and disability mm-hmm. and do like a really, really cool exhibition, very, very um, interesting. I'm, I'm doing my PhD, I'm reading on, on my PhD on, on fashion and disability, mm-hmm. derived from this research because when I was doing my, my MA in, in fashion curation for the first version of, the first version of this exhibition was shown at the Frida Kahlo Museum. The, in, the Blue House, right? Yeah. At the Frida Kahlo Museum, I did the first iteration of this exhibition showing Kahlo's uh, construction of identity through disability and ethnicity um, in 2012. The exhibition was Appearances Can Be Deceiving. Mm-hmm. And then the big um, blockbuster exhibition at the V&A mm-hmm. then contextualizes in a bigger scale in the materials. Yep. Um, and then but when I was conducting my research, there was hardly anything written um, about fashion and disability. I, I wouldn't even think that would be a subject. Exactly. Right? So I am now doing my PhD to write a bit more of, uh, um, to produce more text in this area, which is so dry and I think yeah. it's so important. And then my dream exhibition would be to have an outcome on, on something really cool turn, relating. Turn your scholarship into practice. Yes. That's, I, 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 I can't even imagine what that would entail, but I really look forward to it. And if you do land it, try to land it in New York so I could swing by and see absolutely. it. Absolutely, <laughs> we will, we will, we will totally. I mean, you will be absolutely I'll, invited. I'll, I'll, in, I'll in, put a, I'll put a good word in at the Met. <laughs> Cause, oh cause, yeah, because <laughs> my my two hundred fifty dollar membership goes a really long way. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, this is Cersei Anastrosa. This has been an immense pleasure. What a great time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.